Hey everyone, it's the Why Watch That producer. I hope you guys are having a great summer. We can be sure that the critic and referee are because they are out on summer vacation. So just to make sure you guys get your weekly dose of Why Watch That Radio, we have prepared a favorites episode. Um, so sit back and get ready to hear the critic and referee's favorite interviews. Enjoy. Hello, everybody. We have a very special treat for you. We got a chance to see a sneak peek of The Other Half, which opens in theaters March 10th. And we are so excited that we have on the show some of the people behind the scenes as well as in front. It is directed, written, and produced by Joey Klein, and it stars the wonderful Tatiana Maslany, who was the 2016 Emmy winner of For Orphan Black, and you also saw her in The Woman in Gold, and the amazing Tom Cullen. You know him from Downton Abbey and Weekend, which was aired on 2011. Tom, Tatiana, Joey, welcome to Why Watch That. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, um, super, super excited to have you on the show. And um, this one's for you, Joe. Uh, as we know, the other half made its world premiere at Southwest or South uh, by Southwest in 2016. However, it was a long road for you to get this film to come to fruition. And even as a first time director, tell us um, how you developed the project and how everybody became attached. Um, yeah, I started writing it somewhat soon after I finished theater school in New York, and uh, it just started out as a very personal project, and then I met Tat on an acting job and saw her in a different movie um, and was so smitten with her at work that I offered her the role as I was working on it right away. And uh, she started to date Tom a year or so later, and I'd seen Weekend and was really smitten with him in that. Uh, so I started changing the role a bit so that it uh, was for uh, an expat and basically just adapted it for him. It was originally not somebody from a different country. And I was just fortunate that he wanted to do it as well. And they were just very uh, committed to it in a way where we would talk about the script. And they, they really helped bring the story from where I had it on my own to where it ended up being. And, and they were just true collaborators. And our DP, Bobby Shore, was very much that as well. And I just had three really special artists who just helped elevate me <laughs> um, quite a bit. <laughs> And um, really, you know, to the to, to the to the point where you're working on the film, and they show up one day and, and bring a story idea that is in the film, and so of such amazing paramount importance. And I was leaving it out, thinking that maybe I wanted to be a bit more subtle about it. And they brought in this idea one day. It was the 15th day of shooting, and and it's so important that it's in the film. And that was because they and Bobby would always bring their heads and their hearts to the table. So that's kind of how it went. Nice. Excellent. Um, and Tatiana, this one's for you. Your character, Emily, uh, battles with mental illness, but not in a way that's overdone. How did you find the right balance for a character who, for the most part, seems to be sensitive to the possibility that things will go awry, but who also wants to be free to enjoy life? Well, I think, um, you know, Joey and I did a lot of research um, to prepare for the film, and Joey did so much research in writing it. Um, and then, and then, really, for me, it was about Emily not defining herself by her illness. Um, mm -hmm. She's really seeking to to be a more whole um, version of herself, you know, which isn't 
defined by her illness. And that's what Nikki offers her is um, an acceptance of her whole self. Um, so, so I think that's kind of how we approached it in order to not make it just a, you know, like an issues movie or something. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. Tom, your character as well experiences life and extremities. I mean, we go from, I mean, we go from Nikki's extreme and tragic loss to his discovery of extraordinary love while his horrific violent behavior is tapered with the loveliest moments of tenderness and care. I just loved it. How was it for you in preparing for this kind of role and ultimately bringing this ever so complicated character to life? Um, so Nikki is a guy that's trapped in a limbo of, of grief, guilt, and uh, a lot of self, self-hatred, I think. Um, when we start the film, we, we, we find him at, a, at an impasse. Five years ago, his brother went missing. Uh, with no conclusion, no answers as to why. And he's riddled with pain. Um, And so to access that, this is a guy that's suffering with PTSD and and, and deep grief. Um, And myself personally, I I had also, uh, I understand that grief. I I had a a big loss to film the year that I was actually filming uh, the other half. And the one thing that I, I really understood about Nikki was the day after my friend had died, I, I remember getting up and getting on the tube the next day and being so angry as to why nobody else was grieving. How could the world just carry on? They didn't know that somebody extraordinary had, had, had gone. And, um, and I just wanted to shake everybody. And that's what Nikki is feeling. He's in this permanent state of, of, of grief and anger. Um, and I, I did understand that, but his extremity was something that was a big challenge to get into, but one that I felt that I, that I did understand. Yeah. Wow. Well, it's no secret that the two of you are a real life couple, as you mentioned, Joey. And, we um, are? And- <laughs> <laughs> That's the word on the street. But, um, actually, actually, it was for me. We've been uncovered. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't know that. I don't know what rock I was under because I'm such a huge fan of you both. But I didn't know you were a couple. But that made your performances even more sweet. And so this goes for all three of you. Um, when I was watching it, oh, he's not in the relationship. Yes, you know I that. Yeah. <laughs> They're all in the relationship. Don't me in that. But there were so many moments of discovery between the two of you, yet there were very familiar moments. And I was wondering, how was it for you, all th- all three of you as first-time director and as the two characters, how was it to maneuver between your offset relationship and Nikki and Emily's onset relationship? And and how much of that interaction was improvised versus scripted? It's hard for me because they're always pushing me out of the relationship I thought I was in. I'm <laughs> down. <laughs> <laughs> I think like one of the first times we we rehearsed, um, it, it was the first scene that we were shooting um, at, with Nikki and Emily, um, and it's the scene where Emily comes around the corner on the date and sees Nikki for the first time, and that was the very first scene we shot together. And on the rehearsal, we like did it. We came around, I came around the corner. I saw Tom. We did the little scene, and then. Joey cut and then Tom and I both like looked at each other with panic in our eyes and burst out laughing and ran to a corner and we're like 
we're screwed. How do we do this? Like, this isn't going to work. You, you're just Tom wearing a costume. You're Tat wearing a costume. What the hell? Like, it was just a bizarre thing to, to I don't know, to take in. Um, and we were scared that it was just not going to work. And then you just start doing the work and you start to know the characters and, and you you suddenly you're, you're speaking as the characters and it's not me and Tom anymore. It's Emily and Nikki and we're getting, right. you know, we're falling in love for the first time and we're getting to know each other through these characters. And um, it's funny how acting can do that, um, yeah. can sort of, you know, and, and of course our history allowed for us to have a shorthand and a trust um, you know, with with Joey and with each other, where we knew each other really well, we knew how to push each other, how to help each other, how to support each other in this difficult film, um, in these difficult scenes. But at the same time, you know, um, it's it's a scary thing to sit opposite somebody who knows you so well and and not, you know, I don't know. It's it's a it's a complicated thing, but it, but it was ultimately just an absolute joy. We're also like in a real privileged position to be making a film with our friends and you know we kind of spent the whole time pinching ourselves and in in complete bewilderment as to how this had happened and so as tough as the work was it was also under the umbrella that we're just lucky lucky people and it was just an overriding joy Mm -hmm. uh to get to share this experience together. I have to say that that scene, the shirt scene, I it was the most. It was like a nugget. I was just eating it up. Where what um, shirt scene oh, is that? I bet she means when you couldn't get your shirt <laughs> off you and you got the shirt. And it was so real. It was. It felt so. Yeah, but that's not like acting was, or direct, that's not writing or directing. That's just two really amazing actors working. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't write. And then she can't get her shirt off. And <laughs> that's just two really lovely actors playing with each other. And that that's the privilege of having people like this, man. Like, they bring everything of themselves. So it, I never, ever... The only thing I could worry about as a first-time filmmaker is, am I going to let down my friends? They, they were obviously always going to bring everything to the table, as did Bobby. And that scene, which there's so many little lovely moments like that to your question yeah. about improvisation or whatever you want to call it, you know, going off the page... I had the privilege of having people who would do that always with so much life and love that it does bolster and and elevate a picture about love that that you know sure them being in a relationship it's a very wonderful thing for a love story but I do feel it's more about them as artists in terms of what they're willing to bring to the yeah, table yeah. everything that they know about each other is of course wonderful but those lovely moments you're talking about I think because you have these two pure actors who are just playing together. And I, I used to play a lot of team sports as a kid. And there's no joy like making a film in this way where you're making this film with your best friends and everyone is having a good time, even if the scene you just did is so heavy. And and everyone leaves everything out on the canvas and it costs them something because they give pure love to it. And that's why those moments work so well because they gave pure love to it. And I dig that. I think that's amazing. Yes, exactly. Um, it's so great having the three of you with us. We do want to end with one question for all three of you. Here on Why Watch That, we always end by asking our guests which movies and TV shows they're watching right now. So, Tatiana, Tom, Joey, what are you watching? I just watched Get Out, and I thought it was the total masterpiece, and I can't stop thinking about it. Um, 
it's like the smartest movie I've seen in years. I'm obsessed with it. So that that is my that's kind of what's going on in my head. Tommy, I can't think of anything <laughs> that I'm. I'm actually doing a lot of research right now for a, for a part. So I'm actually watching a lot of documentaries about. Uh, MMA fighters, so it's very wow. boring. I actually just watched one too for similar reasons, but I'm I'm one of those. <laughs> We're right. <laughs> it should. Wait, who's in relationship? What's going on? I've, I've Moonlight kind of impacted me the way the world has been impacted. I, I, I saw it at the Toronto International Megaplex Film Festival. Mm-hmm. And I loved it very much, and then I saw it again in theaters, and I really, really loved the filmmaking in that movie very much, and yeah. and the film. Yeah, it's yeah. amazing. Well, thank you all for being on Why Watch thank That you. again. The other half opens in theaters March 10th. Go see it, and you will not be disappointed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Thanks again, thank Tatiana. You, thanks, Tom. Thanks, Joey. Thank you. Thank Bye you. Guys. Take care. Thanks. Hey there, listeners. We have a very special treat for you. We have someone special on the show. Um, The Critic and I got to see The Hollers, which is coming out in theaters August 26th. Very excited about that. It's starring and directed by John Krasinski from The Office. Um, And it also stars Margot Martindale. Yes. Richard Jenkins, Anna Kendrick, Josh Groban, and our special, special guest, Charlton Copley. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) You know Charlton from District 9, the Oscar-nominated film, Elysium, Chappie, Maleficent, and the TV show on the PlayStation Network called Powers. So first off, Charlton, welcome, welcome, welcome. (laughs) Thanks for having me, guys. Great, great. Now listen, you get the uh, Best Name in Showbiz Hollywood Award. (laughs) (laughs) I I thought I was going to get the most difficult to pronounce name in Showbiz Awards. (laughs) I hope I'm not murdering the name. I sort of of don't really listen to how people pronounce my name anymore. I just sort of let whatever goes slide. Honestly, I don't really notice. (laughs) I wasn't paying attention if you pronounced it correctly. You know, I, the trick is to say it really fast, and then maybe you won't right, notice. and you sort of gloss over it. You know, that, that is what sort of often goes down. I probably, you know, all things considered, I might have sort of maybe changed my name if I was trying to be a, a movie star with a movie star name. I should have, I should have thought that one through. But I, I was, I was too old and developed at the time. I was like 34 at the time I did District Nine. I was pretty much attached to my name. I'm like, no, man, I'm. I'm 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 good. (laughs) Well done, well done, well done. Well, listen, um, The Hollers, oh, I enjoyed it so much. It's an endearing film with such a stellar cast. Mm. And, you know, we totally believe this family and all their craziness. You know, it's such a ride. Tell us how you became attached to the project. I knew John Krasinski um, through Emily, actually, through and and he called me and said he wanted me to play this role and, and play his brother. And I read it, and I thought the character would be fun. I'd been looking for something, frankly, where I didn't have to kill anyone or where my <laughs> Really, I was like, you know what? I just want to do some proper acting that's like in a in a in a drama, like small movie where where I don't die and my mother can watch. And um, <laughs> so this came along, and I was like, great, this is perfect. I was like, yes, I'll I'll, I'll take it. Yeah, great. And, you know, speaking of John Krasinski, we mentioned he directed The Hollers. He's also one of the principal actors. What was that like, Charlton? What was it like to be directed by him, to act with him all at the same time? It was really interesting because it was the first time that I've done a movie with an actor-director. And so I was curious to see how that would go. I I pretty much 
figured that he would be extremely stressed by the end of the film. And a lot of stories you hear of actor directors, they are. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, and I've seen, you know, I know what it takes on, or the toll it takes on directors. And John was producing as well, by the way. Wow, so, yeah, so yeah. he, when a location doesn't get cleared at the last minute or something, he's got to go behind closed doors and try and do something like actually hands-on producing. Mm-hmm. So, I said to him, you know, I don't know how many episodes of The Office he directed or how much he had done, but he really just looked like sort of a veteran at it. It was quite something. He would just sort of shift in front of the camera, behind the camera effortlessly. And most importantly, he just created an incredibly, as I suppose would make sense, as an actor, you would create a great space for other actors, you would, you would assume. Yeah. So, and that right. did happen. He made, he made an amazing space for the actors and just kept the pressures and stuff that he was facing, because he was facing them, but he just kept them totally away from us and, and handled them, you know, somehow quietly without us uh, hearing about it or seeing cracks sort of on him at all. It was an incredible space and, an, as you say, an incredible cost too. Yeah. So you play Ron Holler, the mm. son and brother who seems to keep coming up short in life, you know, <laughs> and um, <laughs> we watch him and it's it's sometimes hilarious, but we watch him struggle to find his place in the family. Um, how did you approach finding the balance between Ron's tragedy and comedy? They're so closely linked, <laughs> you know, tragedy <laughs> and comedy. <laughs> Tra- tragedy is comedy from a far enough distance. <laughs> Every family fight you've ever had is funny if, you, if it wasn't you in it. <laughs> and it true, was that's so true. On it. Um, so, and I think with Ron particularly, it was it was a little tricky in the sense of tone because he was the craziest, if you will. I mean, for me, this is like one of the straightest characters I've ever done but in the bunch you know against like John playing his guy my guy was you know a little a little out there and um, so it was very important for us not to have him be in a totally different film from the others because he does do some pretty wacky stuff so I think we we just tried to play some things that are a little on edge you know with, with real truth so like for example the idea that you know there's a scene in the movie where Ron is going to his because now he's missing his ex-wife and his two daughters that he yeah. that he loves and realizes as he's as, you know that he's in the process of losing them because um, they're now separated and and, um, and divorced sorry and now realizes when there's a new man Josh Groban comes in the perfect man who's a, who's a, who's a reverend in the movie as well uh-huh. <laughs> is now becoming you know the new father to, to his kids and he's freaking out about it there's a scene in the film where he goes to the to his old house to see you know who's this new man that's, that's hanging around my kids and my wife my ex-wife and in the film for example we took something you know the idea that if you have an exit you still like the, the idea that you might have driven past her house or his house <laughs> is relatively true you know yeah, right. <laughs> you stopped in front of the house you started to get a little started to get a little more disturbing and then if you were you know in Ron's level of like looking into the house with binoculars you just push it into that comedic level but it's still tragic you know yes, it's, it's yes. tragic it's painful and so it's true it's true you have that feeling if there is an ex you love and you were and the house was down the road or you did have the chance of driving past it you may be inclined to do it and so I think that was the thing is to like find uh, you know, make sure the scene was true and it, the film was written with so much truth so much kind of universal truth that it was just by giving a little bit of an edge at times I think you could sort of make a scene a little bit funny but also tragic at the same time Mm. (laughs) and speaking of depicting your characters ups and downs speaking of the writing how much improv did you do if any when making this film it's hard to say you know in terms of the percentage we we 
for the most part, we stuck to the script. The script was very, very solid, and we all felt good about the the lines in the script, the setups in the script. We changed, you know, a few things here and there, and threw in the odd little word and stuff, but very few. Like we didn't do a you know an entire scene that was improv or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So, so um, speaking of just hollering, uh, the opening scene is when I went to the screen. Everybody was just laughing so hard (laughs) and you know right off the bat you get this real sense of you know the relational dynamics of the family um what was it like working with veterans uh margo martindale richard jenkins who we love and of course anna kendrick and and your hilarious scenes with josh (laughs) i mean all all of these actors you know and it's, it's difficult because i've worked with a lot of great actors on 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 stuff and so i feel very fortunate in this case, where you had to play a family, it's a little scary going in because you're really hoping that there's going to be a chemistry. You know everyone's good, but that doesn't necessarily mean you have chemistry and yeah. you energetically feel right. I was, for example, you know, I was a big fan of Richard Jenkins. I'd seen him play Fathers many times. Yeah. And I thought, I really, I kind of look like this guy. I feel like... I feel like he could probably be my father, like genetically, he just looked at us. So I really want to make the audience buy that I am his son. You know, that was one of my biggest focuses because obviously his and my relationship is so critical. And so I really made a lot of, you know, put a lot of effort into that. I was, I was, I wanted him to sign off on the accent and to sign off into, you know, and everything because he's such a talented actor. And I mean the same with Margot, the same with all of them. But specifically, you know, we did a table read with John and, uh, and, uh, and myself and Margot and, and Richard as the family when Margot and Richard had just arrived and we just the two of us just watched them and we kind of looked at each other and it was like it was probably the first time in my career that I've actually felt intimidated where I just watched them <laughs> reading scenes and just explore they literally just instantly looked like they'd been married for about 40 years wow. Wow. it was I, I truly have never seen anything quite like it and I do think and they both said it you know there was something to the fact that they are veterans and they have been doing it a very long time and they could literally just take a scene on the page and just execute it instantly it's like a heartfelt scene and Richard's just reading it and I'm already feeling ripped up and then suddenly he just snaps out of it and he's like no no I think it's more like this you know I'm really sorry and then, no no I think, it's more, I think it's a little less you know boom and he, it's like he's just working on a dial on himself and just turning it on and off it was it was very inspiring and very uh, sort of it set the tone for us you know immediately they held that space incredibly well wow okay well just shifting gears a bit here back to something you mentioned earlier you've typically been in sci-fi and action and adventure movies and that kind of thing starting with district nine which thrusted you into the spotlight how did that experience change your career well i mean obviously changed it completely at the time i wasn't even trying to be an actor i was on the producing writing directing side and yeah. um, going into that side of filmmaking so it completely changed in every possible way my career options um, my opportunities in the business, uh, that film, you know, and what what Neil did in creating that space for me as an actor, certainly to just bring everything that I had to the table. It was very lucky. It was kind of one of those moments where the stars align, and you just go like, "Wow, how did how did that happen?" You know, I couldn't <laughs> possibly as ambitious as I was, and as hard as I'd worked up until that point in a variety of different projects, I, I couldn't really have made that happen myself. I couldn't force that. It's something beyond you that you can't fully understand. Kind of just kicks into place uh, and in my life in my personal life obviously it made it extremely different in the sense of I moved out of South Africa I moved I live like a gypsy now living around the world and quite brutal on you when you 
when you had a pretty normal life up until 34 years of age, you know, where you know, I had right. an office that was six minutes away from my, my work and realizing how kind of disorientating the business can be yeah. in, in no small part because of the constant travel, because you can't be in one place and just do all your work and go home. It's been an interesting time and it's, uh, it, it takes work to stay grounded. It yeah. really does. It takes a conscious effort. Yeah, know? that's great. To That's like real talk, right? You know? Yeah. Um, uh, so you've got the action thriller Free Fire coming out shortly with Brie Larson and Killian Murphy and Army Hammer, which presumably is quite different from The Hollers. Um, just <laughs> back, to, back to shooting people. <laughs> back to shooting innocent people. No, 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 no confusion in the title there. <laughs> but, it has bullets on it. <laughs> uh, but uh, what kind of experiences do you walk away with from working on those two types of movies, you know, you, you alluded to it a little bit earlier. Mm. I think it's very different for me to have come from doing studio films to going to do sort of festival movies. And I and I sort of, at a certain point, I was like, I want to like go to a festival. Like, what's it like? Like to go to, you know, Toronto or, or London or Cannes yeah. or any of these things, you know, I really want to go. And to have two of them, you know, to, we, we, we out in Midnight Madness again and Hardcore Henry, the movie I did, you know, previously, uh, premiered at, at Midnight Madness. So I'm back to Toronto this year with Free Fire, back to, and we're going, we're opening the London Film Festival with Free Fire as well, yeah, yeah. which is very exciting. And it's great, man. You really do feel like you're making art when you work with these people, whereas on the other stuff, maybe not as much. Um, Neil's stuff always felt like, Neil Blomkamp's stuff always felt very artistic to me, as, albeit, you know, with a, with a more commercial spin on it but you know such movies with such sort of auteur directors that are making something really personal and and um, uh, artistic to them that it's a it's a it's a very different it's a very different feeling you sort of feel more like a family I suppose there's more investment in it there's more investment in the film it's less like a corporate gig and more like just a real job that you're all doing together you're making less money you're doing it more for the for the art of it, I suppose, which is which is what you know the vast majority of us, I guess, want to want out of the business. And uh, yeah, I, I feel very lucky. Great. Okay. Well, you know what, Charlotte, we're coming to the end here, but we here at YY said we always close our interviews asking what movies or TV shows our guests are currently watching. So, what are you watching right now? <laughs> right now, um, I am watching. I, I get forced to watch whatever my wife watches because she just has it on. I don't actually choose what I'm watching. So, like, I, I'm part watching the Vikings. Um, okay. I'm about to start. I'm about to start watching South Park, which I understand is coming back. So that is Ooh. that is what I will be. That is what I will be watching without ne even needing my wife's prompting. <laughs> well, well done. Thank you so much, Charlton Copley, for uh, joining us on Why Watch That again. The Hollers are. In, it's going to be in a theater near you August 26th and uh, we're excited for the rest of the world to catch it because you're going to have a good time when you sit down and watch that movie thanks again for joining us thanks so much guys <laughs>